number three is a little bit underground, dare I say, out of left field. Uh, but but it has strong performances in it. Really strong performances in it. It is a film titled The Edge, starring Alec Baldwin uh, as, well, as well as Anthony Hopkins. Now, what you need to know is this. <laughs> what you need... Hold on. No, what you I, need I'm... to know is this. Phenomenal movie. If you haven't watched a good... <laughs> good grizzly bear flick in a long time bart the bear gives an incredible performance okay um 64 on rotten tomatoes so not as (laughs) not as bad as i thought it would be And we are live. Let's go. This is the Dos Padres podcast. I am Major J. That's the Sundance Kid. We are here again covering the Boston sports scene, along with plenty of other topics and fun. Come for the sports. Stay for the hijinks. Sundance, how you feeling? And more importantly, what you sipping on tonight? Okay, let's get what I'm sipping on tonight. Our corporate sponsor soon to be none other than Aquafina. Sundance are aiming high. I appreciate that. This is a a sober Thursday for me, Major. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and uh, take that cue. I am sipping on a Corona Limonada strawberry. And it's tasty. More technical difficulties. All right, we're starting to show off on a, <laughs> on a high note. All right, well, let's see. You know, it's been it's been quite a week, uh, to say the least. Uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with a little round Red Sox roundup. Big week in uh, in Boston as far as the Sox are concerned. We are head to the American League Championship Series, Sundance. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel great. I thought we were going to get swept. So to actually win, it's incredible. I thought we were going to get swept. Yeah, as we were recording last week, uh, we were recording in the middle of game one when they were actually just getting knocked around and looked horrible. Uh, Erod looked like human feces. Uh, They took care of him pretty easily, shut out, and it did not look good for the series from there. Of course, we all know what happened from there. We went ahead to win uh, the next three games. A uh, couple at home in dramatic fashion, uh, which to take the series, we had some late inning heroics, extra inning heroics from Christian Vasquez, game three. You and I were all uh, actually there to witness that in person with uh, a friend of the podcast, the esteemed Dr. Christopher Geary. Uh, if you're following us on social, Instagram, Twitter, you would have seen uh, some posts regard- with regards to that. Um, some tasteful, some a little obnoxious. That's fine. That's what we're here for. But yeah, uh, and then then coming back and winning Game Four as well after uh, after blowing that lead with uh, some heroics from Kike with a sack fly, uh, it's feeling feeling pretty good, Sundance. Fe- feeling really good. This is all house money. We did not think we would be here um, without a doubt. 
This is Alex Cora's finest managing job. Um, you have to give Cora a lot of credit. And doesn't this team start to feel like it just has that magic factor? I hate to label it magic, but 2013, 2004, those were years that just kind of felt like the bounces are going to go our way. The long, deep drives off the opponent's bats are going to just somehow blow foul or bounce into the bullpen for a ground rule double. I, I, I mean, this is just feeling like that type of season. Yeah, if we don't want to use the term magic, maybe we go with je ne sais quoi. I don't know. Th- things, things just seem to be kind of, like you said, moving, moving in our direction for now. I, I'm not – I don't have any uh, – illusions that we're going to be going in and taking down Houston with any type of ease. Although there was some good news. It looks like Lance McCullers is, is out of the series. So mm-hmm. McCullers out, Freeman Valdez in. He's still a tough lefty, inconsistent, but he can be tough. Um, oh, he's really tough. He, he, yeah. he dominates when he's us. On, when he's on, he's on. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in that. You know, we do have Sale. was announced tonight. Sale will be starting game one. Uh, so there was some speculation as to what role he was going to have in this series and if Ivaldi was going to start game one, etc. Cora likes what he's seen in the bullpen, etc., etc. I don't know what that means. I, I don't need to know what it means. I trust in him at this point. If he thinks Sale's ready for game one, cross your fingers, hope you get something better than what you've gotten, and let it fly. And hopefully you can scrap out a win there, and then you got to evolve the game two, and you can set it up from there. But so, Nance, what do you think about Sale starting game one? How's how's that how's that make you feel? Uh, it's the right move for Cora. I mean, certainly you want Evaldi going game two. Yes. No. Right. We we definitely. I agree as well. We'd want ideally we'd want Sale in game one. Um, I know there was there's our. Uh, Soon to be someday front of the podcast, John Tomasi was adamantly against that uh, tonight. I don't know that you set up to have Evaldi, Evaldi in game two against Luis Garcia, and you know, and then kind of take it from there. Then, you, then you come home and see how things line up starting Monday. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with the plan right now. I am totally on board with it. Sale in game one, cross your fingers. Evaldi in game two should be a win. Yeah, and then you you know interesting series going off uh, in the NL. If you're the Braves already advanced, we've got uh, LA and the Giants uh, game five tonight. So we'll see where that goes. Oddly, with uh, Corey Nable starting instead of uh, Julio Urias. Not sure what that's about. I haven't looked too much into it. I find that interesting. Either way, it's gonna it should be a good game. Yeah, I think we will. Uh, we'll have to come back next week. And hopefully we're we're talking like we're still in the middle of this series. Uh, seeing as we've got game five is Wednesday, so by the time we're recording this, we're going to be five games in. So let's just hope the series is still going on at that point. I think that uh, that leads us into another topic we wanted to to kind of go into and go. You know, Sox not into the off season yet, but it's always fun to talk about our rivals, Yankees, Rays, etc. Um, you know, Boston sports can never seem to get enough of talking about the other guys and not just focus on themselves. Uh, so let's, you know, let's dive a little bit into Yankees offseason. And we actually brought on a special guest, J.D. from the Bronx. 
Let's go ahead and bring him in. JD, how's it going? Good. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Thanks for joining oh, us. Those Padres are honored to have you have you on here. So honored to be here. So tell us about yourself. You're a what a lifelong Yankee fan, is that correct? Lifelong diehard Yankees tattoos, Yankees everything. Really? Tattoos and everything. That's that's wow. legit. Okay. So, so what, J- what do you, go ahead. J- JD, I do also have to throw this in if you're comfortable sharing. Who's your favorite football team? America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Just so our audience is fully aware, this is where the information is coming from, is New York and Dallas, so we want everyone, full disclosure. Listen, uh, I was was born in 87, the Cowboys and Yankees were winners, so you could say I'm bandwagon, but I was a young bandwagon at the time. I'm I'm also a Bulls fan. Oh, trifecta, all the way around. I have a a sneaking suspicion you are going to be a recurring guest. Fantastic. I have a sneaking suspicion that if I were made aware of all these details at a time, we wouldn't have gotten this far into the interview. But that's okay. That's you're here. We're gonna go ahead and and tap into that uh, that Yankees fandom yeah. that we love so much. JD, what's your initial thoughts on the Yanks going into this offseason? Uh, there's a lot of retooling that has to happen, and it starts with Aaron Boone. December fourth, two thousand seventeen, a dark day in Yankees history when they hired him. I never wanted to see him there, and now we're stuck with him. (laughs) The interesting thing today is, you know, some of the changes they made. You know, they didn't make the exact change that I think they should have with firing Aaron Boone. But uh, firing Phil Nevin, which after his blown send of Aaron Judge in uh, game four, I'm totally on board with that. But uh, Phil Nevin is one of the most liked guys in the league, and he's also one of Aaron Boone's best friends. So it may be interesting to see if Aaron Boone even wants to come back after seeing what they've done with their staff. So what you're saying is they're 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 covertly basically saying we don't want you back, so we're gonna get rid of your friends and anyone that's dear to you and make you just not want to come back here and make it easy for ourselves. They have a habit of doing that. I oh. mean they push they push Tory out, uh, they push Girardi out. I'm not too sad about that either. I was never really a big fan of him. Joe, I always have a soft spot. Or Joe Tory, I have a soft spot forever. So clearly they're they're gonna stick with Boone. Um, JD, you've got to be grinding your teeth when the major pitching changes come up in the postseason with with Boone. He has consistently muffed these decisions throughout throughout his postseason career. It's not just the postseason. I mean, you could talk about a July game against Kansas City, and he's going to (laughs) muff, and he's going to muff those pitching changes you know Girardi was really not much better at managing his bullpen but Boone listen Boone was brought in for the same reason that Girardi was brought in he's good with the players and he's good with the press you know and that's what you need in New York um you know Boone being uh Sunday Night Baseball ESPN for years before they knew he'd be able to handle that and that's what you need to survive to an extent managing the New York Yankees but he he just doesn't produce results okay so so with that said it looks like you're stuck with brian cashman too if boone is 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 sticking around how do you feel about cashman i love brian cashman i you know i always have a soft spot for him um you know he's produced championship teams and brian cashman is the absolute best and i'll say that with confidence about finding the diamonds in the rough um in 
you know, you can't really say that too much about any other general manager or president of baseball operations, whatever term they want to use these days. I mean, look at your Shellas, look at your uh, Luke Voigt's, you know, and even some of the major moves that he made in the, in the past, he's the reason they got CC Sabathia that won them the world series in 2009. He, you know, covertly flew out of the winter meetings to go uh, court him to mm-hmm, sign with him. Mm-hmm. And that was the deciding yep. factor, you know, so I have no problem with Cashman. Any major dumb move that you've seen within the last, you know, 10 years or so has come from ownership or has come from Randy Levine. And, you know, Cashman still makes the smart moves, and I have no problem with him whatsoever. So with that said, um, let's, let's rewind the clock a little bit. It's July 31st. If you're Cashman, what trade do you make? Out of all the trades that happen, right? There, you had a lot of players move there. We got Sox got Schwarber. Um, did Kimbrel move to the White Sox at the trade deadline? I think Kimbrel. Yes. So that was yeah, that Kimbrel was a trade there. Um, and listen, you could go ahead and throw out anything you want. Yeah, you would have traded X Y Z for. Yeah, I, I don't care. Buster Posey on the Giants. Would what would you have done differently, or would you have done anything differently? I would have fired Aaron Boone. Uh, <laughs> but no. Uh, Personnel wise, we'll, we'll keep it there. <laughs> no, Twenty-five man uh, roster. <laughs> if I was going to make a trade, I would have I would have went harder after Barrios and not seen him go to uh, Toronto. Ah, oh, that's that's a good that's that's a good one. Would you have given up Glaber for 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 him? No. What? No. Are y'all? You are a Cashman disciple through and through. He he, JD he Cashman. This is his this is his one flaw because he is a tremendous general manager. The Yanks are always consistently in it, and he does fleece other teams at the trade deadline. But oh my goodness, he holds onto and overvalues his pieces. I mean, what are your thoughts on Gary Sanchez? Is he a part of this team next year or, or not? I don't think so. Okay, I don't. I don't okay. think Sanchez fair enough. Back either. I, I don't enough. think so. You know, I was, you know, I would defend him in the past, not so much in the shortened season. We're never going to talk about that season because as far as I'm concerned, last year, 2020 is a fluke for everybody. Uh, 2019, though, you know, all the gruff that he was getting for the pass balls, probably 80% of what people thought were pass balls were wild pitches. Um, so you can't blame that on him. But he... You know, I this was going to be a big year for him. This should have been a big year for him. You know, he started off hot batting, but then he just went back down to slumping, and I I can't see them sticking around with him much longer. All right, fair enough, fair enough, Major J. JD, I switched up a little bit. What are your thoughts? Uh, the Garrett Cole situation, how that unfolded this year, the spider attack thing, like any, you know, what as a Yankee fan, how did that? How'd that strike you when, when all that was going down and then his performance? You know, I think he had some rough starts immediately after to make it easy for the media and everyone to point to, oh, it must be a spider attack. And then he came around and, you know, other than obviously the, the wild card game is a different story, but in general, he, he, he came he came around and, and started to dominate like everyone everyone expected. So what, what were your thoughts on that um, from your perspective as far as being a fan? He's the number one pitcher on any team in this, in this league. Um, you know, he had a couple of rough starts that might have been coincidence right after that happened. 
But if you look at it, you know, people will talk about, you know, his problem with home runs. Listen, he gave up 24 home runs this year. In uh, 2019, his best season in the majors in his last season with Houston, he gave up 29. So, you know, he's a fastball pitcher. You know, okay. people are going to turn on a fastball. So right. the home runs, that'll be a thing. Gonna... And as far as what happened in the wild card game, listen, you know, he should have been pulled when he was. Um you know, it comes down to the end of the day. Now he's in the American League East. He's facing, you know, well, the Yankees are facing the Red Sox 19 times a year. So right. odds are he's pitching four or five times. The more times you see a pitcher a year, the more times you're going to hit him. Right. Good point. Sure. Good and then point. you bring in that Toronto lineup now, too, which is no oh, joke. Yeah, you're Which great. is unbelievable. Right. And then look at Tampa. They, you know, you don't, again, you don't look at their lineup and get really scared, but they won 100 games and Brandon Lau. Hit 39 home runs. It's yeah, a, including it's a Sundance the favorite. Yankees on Saturday before the season ended. Right, exactly. You know, again, Garrett Cole is the number one pitcher on any team in this league. Maybe not the Dodgers because they have five number one pitchers right. on the team. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, more. maybe they went too long with nine years, you know, seven years after this. We'll see. But for the next two, three, four years, he's still going to dominate the league. Yeah, potentially even more than that. All right, JD. So one 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 final big question here for you. Uh, your as as the things stand right now, your pick your your pick from each league to the World Series and then the winner. I think whoever wins tonight's National League game goes to the World Series. Hmm. Um, I think the Red Sox go to the World Series, and wow, that really? may be biased because I absolutely despise Houston. Everything that Houston stands for, I, there's not a player on Houston that I could say I like or support. Dusty Baker, eh, he's been around a while, so okay, I'll give and him not, the and not connected to right. the misgivings of the the, the previous regime. Right. And honestly, and you know, a lot of Yankee fans may hate me for saying this, I don't have a reason to hate the Red Sox. You know, it's not like the sure. middle 2000s where Manny, one right. of the best players you ever seen in your life, but you know, as a Yankee fan. You don't like them. There's the right. guys in the Red Sox. They're likable guys. You know, you got your Kikes, you got, uh, you know, your uh, Verdugos, you know, Bogarts, Endeavors. And the only one I kind of don't really like is Christian Vasquez because I'm pretty sure he follows my girlfriend on Snapchat. But, you know, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, a, think, that's a story. You know, I, I yeah. wish we had time for that. But that, um, you are definitely now a recurring guest, JD. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, next I, I would say the next your next spot we may need to dive, dive in, into that because that that alone uh, that is a good reason to dislike someone. So I, I but but yeah, I think the Red Sox do it especially now. And you said it earlier, uh, Major J with uh, with McCullers out. That's a huge blow um, right. to Houston. But at the end of the day, I think whoever wins tonight's National League games wins the World Series. That's fair. Interesting. And, and who would you Quite take tonight if you had to? Who, who do you got tonight? If you had to, I, you know, I I was the last I saw, I was the bottom of the second, and it was nothing, nothing. Um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to the end of the game. We're not going to see the winner until the eighth inning or so. We may not see him interesting. Run until then. Interesting. Okay, cool. So. You heard it here first. Yeah, Red Sox Absolutely. and whoever wins tonight. And the, that's right. All right. Well, that's uh, no, I. I Appreciate the candor, the honesty. This has been a heck of a take from a true Yankee fan from the Bronx. JD, thanks for coming on. We, uh, we're lucky to have you, and uh, we look forward to bringing you back on in the future. 
Thank you so much. I can't wait to come back. All right. Take care. Thanks. All right, JD. Wow. So we got Sox and whoever wins tonight, you got to root for the Giants. You have to. Could the poetic justice in a Yastrzemski coming to Fenway for a World Series? Giants, Red Sox. I, that, there's nothing does, better than that. Does add some mystique. Absolutely. Oh, uh, come on. And they're they're home tonight, I believe. So you know, I, I don't actually don't have. I'm gonna go ahead and put the game on while we're recording here because uh, I've been stuck watching Brady Ball and the Eagles. But uh, let's go ahead and get that on. It looks like they are at commercial. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. So I think that that basically wraps up our our Red Sox segment here. Where we're you know ALCS starting tomorrow night in Houston. We'll we'll see how that goes, and um, we'll hopefully we be, again we'll be back here talking about that on next week's podcast. If that series is still going, if it's not, hopefully it's because the Red Sox swept. But again, we're not we're expecting anything like that. Uh, just an update: we do have a zero zero score in the top of the fourth uh, with the Dodgers batting. Sundance. Before we move into our next segment and take a look at the Patriots, uh, first thing I want to do is go ahead and just thank. Everyone watching, following, listening uh, to the podcast, we appreciate it. If you are watching on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe, turn notifications on so you don't miss any of the future shows. Uh, if you're catching the audio feed on this through your favorite provider, please rate and review. Uh, it would mean the world to us. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming along with us. That said, we're going to take this into a little Patriots talk. And, Let's go. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about here, and I will have to see what kind of time we Let's have. Let's go. You and I were together uh, getting ready for that Red Sox game last Sunday while the Pats were in Houston. Uh, some would look at this as a glass half full, mounting a comeback, coming down, kicking a field goal, heroic fashion. Nick Falk wins the game. Mac Jones leads him to victory. Wipe your brow, exhale, move on, which is all we really wanted when we were down by two touchdowns or we can look at this like great that we got a win but wtf that just really spells out what this team is really looking like bigger picture long term for the season so what's what's your take on that initially major j you, you gotta take that negative nancy and you gotta stuff it right back in the box walk out the back door through the garage and throw it in the garbage this was a must win. We had to have it. Agreed. Which and we got it. Go eight ahead. weeks from now. Eight weeks from now. No one is going to care how That's we fair. beat or who we beat. It is just in one column under the W, and it is going to be a, a win against Houston. So all good. I'll take it. Yes, I was spewing things at the TV at the time. Couldn't believe the defense put up that putrid performance in the first half, but they got it done in the second half. The offense got it done. It was a must win on the road. Don't forget that. That's important. It was a must win. It's true. No, it's like you said, a win is a win. Counts the record book. You move on. Um, it, it didn't look good, obviously, and it was against one of the worst teams in the league. But as you said, if, if they play well going forward, you know, you know who's going to remember it? Let it, maybe it, maybe it's the start of a winning streak. We'll see. Uh, but that leads us into this coming week. 
Uh, Dallas coming to town. Um, much, much tougher game in theory. The offense is going to uh, put up points, and we just have to hang with them from an offensive standpoint. Well, well, well <laughs> yes, because uh, Lord knows after the game J.C. Jackson put up against Houston, uh, there's no counting on him right now to come back and cover Cooper, Lamb, whoever they want to put him on, um, or both, or what have you. Uh, I, You know, you potentially have Harris missing this game now, too. So he's on the injury report. It's not looking good for him. So you may have, this may be a Ramondre Stevenson, to some extent, type of game. J.J. Taylor, I, you know, I don't expect to see any more of Brandon Bolden than we've seen. So it yeah, it may not be, you know, again, you may see him and Taylor out of the backfield from a receiving standpoint simply because they need to play catch-up or need to, to, to match Dallas for points, and who knows. I mean, they, you'd like to think they're going to start with the run game to try to keep the Dallas offense at bay, but I don't, I don't know that how long that's really going to last. I'll tell you what is encouraging. that I, I read a story uh, today, I think it was NBC Sports, uh, New England, and um, it, this is the point in the season that the coordinators, offensive, defensive, and the special teams coach for that matter, but th- they're going to sit down and they're going to pretty much junk what is not working well, and they will look to only reinforce what they do uh, really well. So the experimenting, the pie in the sky, it'd be great if we could just ground and pound and bleed out the clock every game and let our defense take care of business. The Patriots are, are totally looking in the mirror this week from, from everything that I've read and, and heard, and they're saying, okay, here's what we do well, here's what we don't do well, let's stop messing around with all this stuff, and let's just get back to what we do well. And so I think you'll start to see a lot more shotgun um, for Mac, and you'll start to see a lot more spreading you know, the offense and getting uh, extra receivers on the field. Um, and I, th- I, looked, I looked for the tight ends to completely... Uh, start to earn their paychecks going forward. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree. I think you're going to see them. It's easy to say it, but I do think you're going to see them get back to what worked. And they're two different teams, but what worked at home against Tampa a couple weeks ago, uh, I would expect something closer to that than we saw against Houston on the road last week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think Dallas is going to come out and blow the doors off with this offense. Uh also, your close close personal friend Mike McCarthy coming to town to, to lead his squad. Uh, we we well documented your feelings, of Mike McCarthy, big fan. But I, I do think defense will step up to some extent. They have to. They tend to do at home. Uh, you know, keep this game close. It just comes down to if Mac can make the throws, the tight ends, the receivers can get open, make enough plays. Maybe keep Trayvon Diggs from an interception in this game. That would be a start. Which, which oh, leads to just Lord. in generally not turning the ball over, but uh, Diggs is becoming a star. No, you're right. Diggs is becoming uh, an absolute player in this league. Uh, he happens to be, uh, I, I believe, the kid brother to Stefan Diggs, who plays up in Buffalo. Um, yes. Can I tell you? Can I tell you quickly what what scares me a little bit about this game? Yes, tell me. Dallas is at the top of the league for turnovers, and we turn the ball over. And we don't get a lot of turnovers. So that's probably my biggest concern going into this game. That said, it's another must win. We got to have it somehow. We got to figure it out. So going, going back to that turnover battle uh, that you just spoke about, this, this came up while we were watching that Houston game last week. 
and I, I don't remember if they actually ended up with a turnover, or I should say a takeaway in that game, the defense, but they hadn't had a takeaway in a year. Week four of 2020. That is abominable, especially for a defense that's regarded as being not the best, but pretty good. Definitely in the top yep. half of the league, probably top ten. Right. So, so who's saving the Patriots right now? Um, it's the it's the dude in the red sleeves. Um, it's it's Judon. Uh, he is at the top of the league in terms of sacks. He's on pace to like break the NFL record for sacks. That's not going to happen. I know that, but um, he is without a doubt the glue to the defense right now. And I hope the Patriots put a little bit more man-to-man defense as opposed to zone because that's where they have found most of their success, um, at least with the secondary and coverages. Agree. Uh, you know, the line on this, we can get into, we'll get this into this more in our uh, NFL picks in a little bit, but the, the line on this was down to Dallas giving three. That's a, that's a tough call for me. We'll, we'll, again, well, hmm. I'll divulge my, my pick on that in a bit, but um, I think it's going to be quite the task for the, for the Pats to, to keep up with that given what Dallas puts on the field offensively. What are you, what are you thinking? It's, it's going to be a tough game. It, it's, this, this, is, uh, this is Mike McCarthy kind of getting better as the season goes. I hate to admit that. And um, I guess the Patriots are getting better in some facets of the game. But they don't really seem like it. So this is going to be a tough. This is going to be a tough game. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, you've got you're also looking at uh, a tough stretch. Well, you know, you've got the Jets coming in the week after, but then you've got a tough stretch with uh, the Chargers, and there's a, there's a game against Cleveland there, and you know, again, you had to have that win. We talked about it. You got it last week. You're at home against Dallas. If you could sneak one out here. Take out the Jets next week. You're back to 500 as you go into a small, a slightly tougher spot. Then you come back and you've got some soft teams with Atlanta and Tennessee. So there's still some opportunities there to, you know, sneak away with you know a, a you know a good a better record than than it looks like they should have right now. You know, a month from now. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Uh, again, we'll be back next week. We'll be covering uh, the outcome of this game and then heading into the preview of next week against the Jets. Uh, let's wrap that up at this point. We're going to go ahead and actually move into our next segment, which is our, our Fantasy Five. Uh, we've been doing this for a couple weeks. We're going to run it back again this week. But uh, this week in the NFL, we're actually rolling into the first week of bye weeks. Uh, San Francisco, Atlanta, the Jets, the Saints are all on bye. So we now have to deal with, with those players potentially out of our lineups. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, um, Jameis Winston, if you're using him, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, who was off last week, out last week anyway, Kyle Pitts, um, all the all the Niners backs, etc. We got to deal with that. It's the first week of dealing with that, and we're having to really dig a little bit deeper into our lineups. Um, the one bit of advice I give before jumping into these uh, these five players is you need to start looking at trades. I was telling you last week to start being honest with your teams. Take take a step back and, and reassess based on what you, you really truly need. Now you need to start start going out and make some trades. Whether you are a good team and you want to start uh, ramping up for the, the stretch run of the playoffs, or you're not looking good and you got to make some sacrifices long term to get a win. Now 
guys are looking to make some trades. Um, if you are a good, good team, 5-0, and 4-1, even 3-2, and you need to start taking advantage of those teams that need help immediately. The 1-4s, the 2-3s, maybe the 0-5s. They, they need help both based on their personnel and potentially even with bye weeks. You've got bye weeks now, bye week hell, as we like to call it. Go out and try to make a trade with those teams. If you can, take advantage of the fact that they need help immediately. Get some better players from down the stretch. Even trade four players that are coming on, going on to their bye week this week, like a Pitts, like a Ridley. Um, you can, if you're in a position where you can afford to sit, on, sit a week with them on your bench because they're off and they're going to pay dividends for you down the road. So, with that said, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring in our number five player for the week, Ricky Seals-Jones. Ricky Seals-Jones is now the tight end, starting tight end for the Washington football team. Uh, Logan Thomas is on IR. He's going to be around for a good two to three weeks helping you out. He's 22% owned on Yahoo. This week they're going up against the Kansas City defense, which is putrid in a game that Washington mm. Even try to stay competitive is going to have to throw the ball because Kansas City is going to destroy the Washington defense. Ricky Seals Jones is there, ready, ready, ready for you to pick him up for this week and potentially for a couple weeks while Logan Thomas is out. So uh, go ahead and add Ricky Seals Jones, RSJ, as he is affectionately known. Next, we've got number four, Jeff Wilson Jr. Jeff Wilson Jr. is a tailback on the San Francisco 49ers, he's on the pup list. Kyle Shanahan has said he potentially could be ready to come back um, in a couple weeks after their bye this week. Uh, if people haven't added him yet, I would look to do it. He is uh, only 40% owned on Yahoo. I'm so, yeah, 20% owned on Yahoo, excuse me. So he's there ready and waiting. I would add him now if you can, if he's still out there, and stash him to your IR slot for a couple weeks. Uh, if he comes back, he's probably going to go ahead and immediately share time with uh, Elijah Mitchell. This, this running back system in San Francisco under Shanahan. Shanahan notoriously, even before he was with the Niners, is all about uh, a timeshare running back, two to three backs. He does not give it to one guy. Wilson played really well down the stretch last year for the Niners. I would go and add him uh, if you can right now. Number three, Jerry Judy. Now, Judy is 75% on Yahoo. So if you're going to get Judy, it's most likely going to be via trade. Uh, but he's coming off of a high ankle sprain, suffered in the middle of week one when he was absolutely balling out with Bridgewater. The, he's, the coaches, Fangio has actually said that he hopes to have him after about six weeks, and that was as of last week, so that puts him back between week seven and eight. Uh, next week is week seven. The Broncos play on Thursday, so I'm expecting it wouldn't be until week eight. But I think with two weeks out, now's the perfect time to go out and try to get him uh, at an affordable price before his price starts going up. Uh, brings us to number two, A.J. Dillon uh, for the Green Bay Packers. 69% owned on Yahoo. So likely as well you're going to have to go and trade for him. if he's not. A, he, he may be available in 10-team in, uh, leagues, shower leagues, but either way, if you can add him, great. If you can trade for him, I would do it as well here. Snaps were down the first two weeks. A lot of owners dropped him the, la the last two weeks. Snaps are, and, are back up again. His touches are back up again. Overall opportunities are up again. Basically in a 60-40 split with Aaron Jones. Coach LaFleur has basically said they are fully confident in A.J. Dillon's receiving capabilities, 
which was uh, a nice boon to his value as receiving was the one thing people weren't sure about coming out of Boston College with him a couple of years ago. So would absolutely be getting Dylan now if you can. He can fill in and be a, a flex guy during these bye weeks for you and would immediately be an RB1 for you if Aaron Jones goes down. Brings us to our number one Sundance. Can you take a guess who this is? I am going to say it is not trade for John Gruden. Correct. That's correct, although that's still ambiguous. It's Trey Lance. (laughs) You may may remember Trey Lance from the last couple of weeks. He's been number one. Hey. And we're going to bring him back. Uh, Hey, Trey. He's number one again. Actually, I'm kidding. It's not Trey Lance. I just wanted to throw that out there to throw you off. I'm going to take an L on this one. He was number one the last couple weeks, and uh, he got his first start last week. Went decent, ran for about 89 yards, a little frenetic as far as throwing the ball, hurt his knee. Sounds like Kyle Shanahan wants to go back to Jimmy G off the bye. So, unfortunately, Trey Lance is off the list. For, even though I still like him as an ad, it's probably going to be – it's probably going to come to fruition mm. more so later in the year. Uh, number one, actually, okay. is a name you'll recognize. It's Steph Diggs again. Steph Diggs, who was on the list last week, and I'm now emphatically telling you – Go and get Stefan Diggs again, if you can, this week. Trade for him. Obviously, he's owned by everybody. Uh, but I would absolutely go and, and make Such an offer a great for him player. if you can. Absolutely fantastic player. Didn't do much uh, last week, as ex- while well, we expected him to against Kansas City. Again, against the, that, uh, as previously mentioned, terrible Kansas City defense. But Josh Allen took over. They spread the ball around. They took care of business. I think this is, again, another perfect buy-window opportunity to get Diggs because he's going to blow up sooner than later, possibly as soon as this week, again, against a terrible Tennessee defense in secondary. I think he's the absolute best buy-low wide receiver one out there. I would do everything you can to get him uh, within reason, but I would be be looking at any way possible to get him if you can right now because after this week you may not be able to do it again. Sundance, little treat for yourself and the viewers and listeners. I actually decided to throw in a bonus, a bonus fantasy five this week. So it's really a fantasy six. All right. Okay. That's going to be – all right, you ready? It is Marlon Mack running back from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, not very popular mm. uh, as far as uh, throughout the league. But Never he heard is, of him. Uh, basically third on the, running, on the running back chart for the Colts right now behind Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. He actually was the starter a couple years years ago before the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor. He recently asked for a trade. The team agreed mutually to go ahead and try to move him. This kid's talented. He's not a big receiving threat, but he can run with the ball. He, he's coming off a huge Achilles injury going into last season, came back, uh, was able to come back and actually make the roster and play a bit uh, in, the, in a limited role. Uh, I think right now, while the Colts are exploring moving him potentially to a running back needy team, get ahead of it. Add him now if you can. Uh, again, he's only about 20 25% owned on Yahoo. Um, I would go ahead and throw him on just in case he is moved to a team where he gets a starting gig. Uh, as recently as yesterday, the Chiefs were actually rumored to have been in talks with the Colts to acquire Marlon Mack, which would really throw a monkey wrench into the plans of all those owners who went out and spent all their fab money on Daryl Williams coming off the CEH injury. So Marlon Mack is my, my bonus pick. Uh, for the Fantasy Five this week. But uh, that about wraps up that segment. Uh, you know, I, again, we've been talking about it. I want to throw some extras out there, throw a bonus out, Marlon Mack for you guys. 
Again, these aren't gospel. These are just my thoughts and ideas, uh, hopefully just helping some of you out there. And uh, go out, see what you can do with it, and come back and maybe leave some comments. You can trash me if you want. You can praise me, whatever you want, but I'm happy to hear the feedback on these. So, Sundance. That's, uh, that's also your 5 to 10 minute uh, introduction yet again into the fantasy world. As everyone knows, <laughs> Sundance is not a fantasy guy. He sits here, he grins, he bears it. Um, I got a lot on my plate. I got a lot on my plate. I, I do need to get into fantasy uh, football at some point. A, a lot of folks uh, in, in my office, uh, the, the old day job, um, they're into fantasy leagues. I hear them talking about who to start and who not to, uh, you know, and so you know, I throw them off here and there. Hey, trade for Marvin Harrison. He's supposed to be pretty good with the Colts. Try to get Edger and James. <laughs> But I am quickly. How, you know, how quickly do you get it? How quickly do you get that look? Like, well, okay, Sundance, we're gonna go back to work now. <laughs> and that's thanks, usually, thanks for trying. That's usually <laughs> appreciate what appreciate the effort. That's usually what happens. But I do get some inside nuggets on some teams, so I am ready for our picks, Major J. All right, we're gonna that'll launch us into as you just stated our week six Padres picks. Before we can go into this week's picks, though, we need to reflect on our week five picks and where that leaves us as far as our overall standings. We'll go ahead and take a look. Okay, not so good for either of us. Week five, seven, eight, and a push for both of us. Okay. On the season, that leaves uh, myself at 34, 28, and one. You're 32, 30, and one. Two games back. Uh, I mean, at this point... Just be I above was, 500. Just be above 500. That's, that's be above all I'm 500. looking for. I'm yeah, take it. I mean, I'm going to take it. You know, even with that two-game lead, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't already starting to get some confidence about my future Beer of the Month Club subscription that's going to be coming next year, as you can tell from my face in that in that, in that that picture. But uh, but we'll see. It's The season's still young. We're moving into week six. Um, we'll go ahead. We're going to bring up the uh, DK... Sportsbook yep. site that we use for all of our all of our picks here. There we are. So we're going to start with uh, now tonight's game. Tampa is at Philly. Tampa was giving seven. I took Philly, getting the seven. I'm not sure what you took. If you uh, I took Philly as well. I took Philly as I took well. Philly as well. Okay, so we'll make no headway either way there. So that brings us into the one o'clock games. Uh, uh, beginning on Sunday, oh, I'm sorry, that takes us to the 9.30 a.m. game in London because it is yet another London game. Miami mm-hmm. giving three at Jacksonville. And again, Sundance, Jacksonville in London, not at home. Uh, they, they, share the, they share the London, they share Wembley with Atlanta. It's nice of them. Uh, so I'm going to let you go ahead and start off with this one. Uh, this this is an easy pick. Um, you have the Miami Dolphins who are in disarray against the Jacksonville Jaguars who are on the upswing. Not really. Um, these are both crap teams. Maybe are, side swing. These are crap teams that are flying across the pond. Um, who's getting points here? Say that again, Major J. Jack- Jacksonville is getting three. So Miami is giving three points. Yeah, so Jacksonville getting three, being the home team. Um, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Okay. Uh, basically, for those 
same reasons, I'm, I'm actually taking Jacksonville, getting the three as well. Uh, both teams are a dumpster fire. I just think going over there that you know this game could be two to nothing on a safety. Miami wins, Jacksonville covers. I think Jacksonville actually can get their first win here despite the craziness that's going on um, in that locker room and through that organization. But I'm going to take Jacksonville as well, getting three. So that rolls us into the one o'clock slate. Uh, first game is Kansas City at I'm sorry at Washington. Kansas City giving six and a half. Uh, this one, this one's actually pretty easy for me. I, I'm going to be taking Kansas City giving the points. Uh, Washington has a ton of injuries, as we spoke about earlier. Ricky Seals Jones. When when Ricky Seals Jones is your second highest snapped player and getting the second most routes and targets behind Terry McLaurin, there are problems. Um, you've got their starting running back Antonio Gibson with a stress fracture in his leg that he's playing through. Good luck with that. This is this has got get right written all over it for the Kansas City offense and get okay for the defense, um, which I think is going to be more than enough. So, yeah, Kansas City giving the points, hands down, easy one for me. Yeah, listen, uh, Kansas City is not a supercharger team that they should be right now. That said, I am also taking Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City is a mediocre football team right now, but that is a far better team than Washington. I'll take Kansas City. City every day. All right. I like it. I like it. All right. So that rolls us into the next game, which is interesting. We've got the LA Rams heading to the Giants. Rams are giving 10. It's a lot of points uh, going cross country. Sundance, what do you think about this one? Uh, you know, I've got some intel from the office. Major Giants fans who tell me that uh, the team is terrible right now. Uh, the coach is still trying to find, and uh, good luck with the quarterback situation. That all said, give me the Giants. I'm going to take the Giants at home. All right, all right, I like it. Uh, I as well am going to be taking the Giants with the points. I do think we're going to get Daniel Jones oh. back off of his concussion. Oh. Saquon Barkley out of this game at least with his uh, turned ankle from last week. I just think there's they've, they've discovered something in their first-round pick, Kadarius Toney, who I think is going to be, yep. a, be a future part of that offense going forward. Shepard should be back. Slayton should be back. Not that that's a big deal, but a receiver's a receiver. He's a living, breathing body with hands. Awesome. I think between that and the Rams, uh, traveling cross-country, giving 10 I think is a lot. I'm going to take the Giants with the points and pray. All right, next game on the slate is the Packers. Going to Chicago, giving five and a half. This is interesting. Uh, you know, divisional game. Even though Green Bay is favored, it's always tough when, when it's in the division going on the road. This one, I'm, I, I still am actually going to take Green Bay uh, by, but presumably I'm going to say a touchdown. I just in the end, Chicago Fields is giving them some life. They've won two of three since he took over, but I just. Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, this offense is just very plotting. It's very 1970s, 80s with the running back. There's no, there's just, there's no creativity with a, with a quarterback that should be rolling out of the pocket and running RPOs. I just don't see how, you know, the defense is okay. They lead the league in sacks, but I, I just don't see them being able to stop Green Bay enough and the offense being able to catch up enough to, to, to make it close in the end. So I'm going to take Green Bay giving them five and a half. 
I'm going to try to make up a game here. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, how's Khalil Mack? How's he been he's really, lately? He's He's been really good. Really good. So, Khalil Mack, uh, Khalil Mack, plus the fact that Fields is slowly finding his way, uh, not completely lighting it up, but, but he's getting there. Uh, I'm taking the Bears. That uh, rolls us into the next 1 o'clock game, which is, now this should be a good one. L.A. Chargers, the hot, hot, hot L.A. Chargers with Justin Herbert, who's probably vaulted himself into the MVP picture, going to Baltimore, who also has probably the MVP leader right now in Lamar Jackson after leading Baltimore back from 14 down in the fourth quarter to take down the Colts in overtime last week. Uh, Sundance, what, what do you think about this one? This could be a barn burner. Over under 51. This could be that type really big propels uh, Baltimore. Uh, they're at home, and that's a long flight for Mr. Herbert and the Chargers. Uh, I, I am going to t- take Baltimore. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, on that note, I'm actually taking the Chargers. Uh, even though, like you said, it is cross-country, for all those reasons, I think Baltimore, I don't want to say is primed for a letdown after that game last week, but it was the Colts. Um, so I think they're going to be seeing a completely different type of team in the Chargers who, if they get out to lead, I don't think that Charger defense, while not fantastic, still much more solid than Indianapolis. Uh, they could be good enough to keep Baltimore from, from making up that gap. I think this is going to be a back-and-forth type of game. I just could see the Chargers and Herbert leading his team in, winning by a uh, by a field goal. Um, but again, it's it's... It could go either way. you got two leading candidates for MVP. I'm actually looking forward to watching this one, assuming it's on uh, anywhere. So that said, we're going to roll into the next game, which is Houston, our lovable Houston Texans, rolling into Indianapolis uh, after, again, suffering that just-mentioned terrible, terrible loss on the road in Baltimore last week. Houston's getting 10, so Indianapolis minus 10 at home against Houston. Uh, this one actually was fairly easy for me. I'm taking Houston in the 10 points. Uh, you know, I, again, no moral victories in the NFL, but especially after losing that game late to the Patriots, but I still think the Texans will kind of take it um, and roll that into a divisional game on the road in Indy. I think Indy, after that loss last week, that was a gut punch. I don't see that team turning around and beating even a bad Houston team by 10 points, so I'll take the 10 on the road for Houston in this one. Uh, yeah, and, and and probably for everything uh, you just said, but the opposite. Um, I, I think I think Houston uh, is not feeling great about themselves, having lost to a very average Patriots team, having been up on the Patriots, uh, and now you have to go on the road. I can only imagine what that's like, you know, psychologically for the players. Indianapolis, Indianapolis. with a capital I. Given the 10. All right. That should be interesting. So we now uh, roll into the next game uh, on the 1 o'clock. A big, big 1 o'clock slate this week. Cincinnati is going to Detroit. Detroit is getting 3.5 at home. Interesting. So, Nance, what's your take on this one? Uh, I'm taking the Bengals all day. The Bengals are the better team. Listen, I've been playing up Detroit a lot. Um, They are getting better. You know, eventually, though, 
when you're not winning, it does start to regress at some point. Um, and I think that there, I think Detroit is, is really hitting that point. Uh, I, I'm actually going to take the Bengals. Okay. Uh, I don't disagree with the logic. I actually am going to be taking Detroit here, getting the three and a half. I think they can keep this within a field goal. I think eventually, eventually Detroit is going to get a win. Um, I think Cincinnati's defense, while okay, not great, you couple in the, the travel, potentially without Joe Mixon again. Uh, I think that uh, this one sets up potentially for Detroit to finally get their first win. In fact, I'm going to lock that in as my upset special. Detroit, not only getting the points, but also for the victory. That said, we're going to roll into our wow. last one. You, you realize Wow. Wow. You realize Barry Sanders and Megatron both do not play for them anymore. They're not walking through that door. No, they're right. not, folks. And if they do, they're going to be gray and old. That's <laughs> <I've heard> that. <laughs> Thank you, Rick Pitino. Okay. He, he, he makes his way around. So next game of the 1 o'clock slate is actually Minnesota <laughs> going to Carolina. Minnesota is actually giving two and a half on the road traveling oh, Minnesota. Uh, to, Carolina, to, to Carolina, Minnesota, as some people will call them. Um, different emphases on different parts of the of the Minne and Soda. But I, this one for me, I had to think about it. But again, I'm actually, I didn't have to think about it too much. Christian McCaffrey not looking like he's going to play again after not practicing today, after practicing limitedly in the last week and beginning of this week. So no practice today doesn't bode well for him. A little odd, but um, at this point you have to assume it's another day of Chuba Hubbard. Regardless, I think this is a get-right game for Carolina. They've had a uh, rough couple past weeks. I think they're going to come home. I think they can win this game outright, but I'll gladly take the two-and-a-half. Minnesota's been very up and down. I feel like they're just a Jekyll and Hyde type of team, and I just don't trust them on the road, traveling to a team they don't see often, even though they're in the NFC. I think their defense can let them down here. I think Darnold... Could do enough with those receivers uh, to go ahead and take this one. Sundance, what's your call? Uh, give me Kirk Cousins and the Purple People Eaters all day. I like the offense to have a big day in Carolina. And like you said, Carolina's hurting with some key players. Uh, I'm going to take the Vikings. Okay. All right. All right. That actually will take us into our 4 o'clock slate. Uh, first game is actually going to be, which should be another interesting one, Arizona. Going to Cleveland. So Arizona also traveling cross-country for an interconference battle. Cleveland giving three and a half on this one. Uh, This is an interesting game. Uh, So I'm going to let you take this one first. Uh, Once again, I have some key intel from a co-worker who is hooked into the Arizona organization. uh, And I am told that this week it is Red Sea rise up you are going to see a 50 point performance out of the cardinals and i think they're going to expose cleveland for the frauds that they are give me arizona are you taking that as your official upset special sundance that's sure that is my upset special if you think they're going to drop a 50 burger in cleveland that sounds like a win unless you so let's go all right, let's go. We're going to lock that in. Upset special, Sundance taking Arizona for the victory on the road. Uh, I am also taking Arizona here. I do think there's some uh, overreaction to 
to Cleveland, even though they had a loss in in LA against the Chargers last week. That was a barn burner game. Uh, I'm I'm not buying it as far as that being who Cleveland is. There's some overreaction to that, as well as some overreaction to Arizona playing a close game uh, at home, beating San Francisco last week by a touchdown, 17 to 10. I think there's gonna be some correction on both sides of that. I just don't know if Cleveland, with those running backs, can ball control enough to keep Arizona from from the high-scoring type of game. I don't think they're going to drop a 50-burger, but I do think the over-under 49 will be challenged. I just don't think the running backs can keep them at bay enough, and I don't think Baker, right. as you stated, is frankly just good enough to do it. So I will also take Arizona getting the 3.5 gladly. Uh, next game, this is one we spoke about a little bit earlier. Now we're going to roll into it officially. Dallas coming into New England. Dallas is giving three. As much as I, I hate to say it, at this point, I just have to go with reality. I am taking Dallas minus three. I think New England, New England can do enough to keep this game somewhat close, but down the stretch, into the fourth quarter, I don't think that defense is good enough to stop Dak and those receivers and Zeke, and I don't think Mack and company can do enough offensively to, to really try to stretch this into a potential upset. Uh, I'm taking Dallas, giving the three here. No, no. Um, I'm going with Patriots here. I, I, I think New England uh, junks what doesn't work, and I think that they reinforce what does work really well. Uh, they'll let Max spread it out. Uh, they'll let him go hurry up when he wants to. Uh, they will try to keep the pressure on the Dallas defense, which uh, is not as good as people think. Um, although they do get their takeaways, I am praying that this is the week that Belichick cleans it up. No more fumbles, no more bad picks. I think we win, we win the turnover battle, and we get the win for the game. So just to um, just to clarify, you do you do or you do not have a source in your office that's feeding you information on the Dallas Cowboys for this game. It seems like you've got a lot of sources for... in, in the office there. So I just I just wanted to clarify. You've you've got little birdies. I, I do. I do have all over, all over the country. I, I do have. <laughs> Listen, man. I am just as hooked in as Adam Schefter. Uh, it, 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 the information comes to me, it, it, which is nice. So these picks are really just simplified uh, all over the board. Um, I know that Dallas is going to come into New England and they are going to lay an egg. There you go. I, I am it. looking forward to the smorgasbord of guest spots you're going to be bringing to this podcast in the coming weeks and months. Uh, our listeners are I'm waiting with bating breath at this point. Uh, I'm also going to go ahead and uh, say it now that close friend of the podcast and follower and listener uh, at Do452 will also be listening and calling you out in the comments somewhere with the fact you are still not on the Dallas Cowboys train. Okay, that said, we're going to roll into the next game. Las Vegas Raiders going to Denver. Denver giving three and a half. Sunday, I'm going to let you take this one first. I, I, you've had mixed emotions and feelings on both Denver and Las Vegas for the past few weeks, so I'm curious what your thought is on this game. If we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, John Gruden used to coach. That's a dumpster fire. I will take every yes. other team that is playing the Raiders, uh, so uh, give me Denver. Fair enough. I am also taking Denver. Same same reasoning. Vegas, even though the I hope Mayock and Bisaggia are keeping that team as on point as they can, it's got to be hard not to be distracted at this point with the backdrop of the uh, John Gruden situation. 
There's some distraction there. It's a division game mm. on the road. It's tough. Denver's defense is tough. As it was, the Raiders were looking like they're falling back to earth a little bit. Carr is not looking good lately. I absolutely will take Denver to get right at home uh, after that rough loss at Pittsburgh last week. Uh, speaking of Pittsburgh, we're actually going to roll right into the next game. Pittsburgh at home taking on Seattle. Pittsburgh giving five and a half. I think this is another interesting game to look at. Uh, ultimately, I'm going to be taking Pittsburgh giving the points, which it pains me again. Second week in a row to take mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Seattle is a mess right now with the Russell Wilson injury down for potentially a month. You've got Geno Smith. Yes, Geno Smith of old West Virginia fame, still has a job, still backing up Russell Wilson. Uh, He's going to lead this offense. Looked decent um, coming in last week. That said, do you really trust him for a game? No. He's going to lower the ceilings infinitely, potentially, for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the entire offense. Chris Carson still banged up with the neck. Uh, Metcalf, as well, actually didn't even practice today, potentially has a foot problem. This is just going south quickly for Seattle. The defense is terrible. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and absolutely take Pittsburgh. I think they can win this by double digits. Uh, yeah. Y- you know, I-, I would hate to be, you know, the cleaning crew for the Seattle offices because Pete Carroll's desk has got to have like 87 million wads of bubblegum stuck to the bottom of it because this guy's got to just <laughs> be gnawing on left arm. He, do, he does have that nice uh, gum chomp. All day, every he has day. a nice chomp. He's got a great gum chomp on the sidelines. Open mouth, full cow. Like he's got a wad of hay and chaw and everything in there. It's uh, you know that you know the chaw with the clap. He you know if he's from the uh, Jason Garrett school of uh, of the the clap. So uh, yeah, yeah. So you're, doesn't you're strike gonna, me as the type of guy that gets his gum in the wastebasket. No, it just it just it just builds and builds and builds. He just um, adds more and more to it. And he just you know, oh. So to be clear, you're taking Pittsburgh. If that wasn't clear, I'm taking Pittsburgh. Hey, you got to spell it out again. We're keeping track of these. These are official. I, I really want there to be no controversy when you are delivering my beer next year. Okay, so that takes us. Uh, that was the Sunday got night it. game. So we're actually going to roll into now last game this slate, Monday night football. We have got the Buffalo Bills, so playing primetime again two weeks in a row, going to not Kansas City this time, Tennessee. Not quite the same thing. They are giving five and a half. Uh, Sundance, what do you think about the Bills' prospects on the road again in primetime going to Tennessee, giving uh, five and a half points? What do you think? Buffalo. I like Buffalo. Um, uh, I've I, I've never had so many friends in my lifetime that are Buffalo Bills fans, which is interesting. Like even in middle school, I didn't know that many Buffalo Bills. There all must the time. be a ton in, there must be a ton in your here. office feeding you information, though, right? No, uh, actually, but but in my my small circle of friends, uh, a number of Bills fans. So I will take Buffalo. I'm not on the Buffalo train. I'm a New England fan, but I respect what uh, what Buffalo's doing. I'll take the Bills. And ju- just to, just to clarify for our uh, viewers and listeners, uh, Sundance was actually a Buffalo fan way back in the day when we first met during the uh, the four. The four-year run with the Bills going into the Super Bowl. 
But it was legitimate, though. I, I didn't never took it as a a, a bandwagon situation. I'll, I'll let you copy that Kelly Kagan. I never took it that way. Come on. Hey. All right. When I was a yeah. kid growing up in Springfield. Yes, Springfield. Locals, local, local, when I was a kid growing up in Springfield, local CBS affiliate would primarily play Bills games. They would not this air New England Patriots games. This is absolutely um, true. And <laughs> I mean, think of that like today, if that ever happened. Like, I mean, that was just like a straight up, your team is terrible and we're not putting them on TV. So, um, right. yeah, that, that's my reasoning there. I was a Bills fan back in the day. I, a small part of me still roots for them. Um, but I'm, I'm New England through and through. You know through that. Through. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, okay, so to wrap this up, uh, this is my call. I as well am taking Buffalo hands down. Uh, they 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 put up big time in Kansas City. I think this line is definitely short. This should be at least seven, and I get it. It's a conference game on the road. You know, you never want mm-hmm. to go overboard. I'm surprised it hasn't been bet up more. But I mean, Tennessee's defense, their secondary is probably one of the three worst in the league. There's no way they can shut down these Bills. Again, I expect Josh Allen to run and throw all over these guys. I absolutely as alluded to in the Fantasy Five. Stefan Diggs, this is another opportunity for him to go balls out and uh, actually go just go ape on this Tennessee team. Uh, I don't think Tennessee, even with the ball control game with Derrick Henry, can do enough to keep that Bills offense at bay. Uh, it's it's This one's an easy one for me. I think Bills, again, this could be a laugher. I think this is another another game where Tennessee kind of just shows that they're just not not up for it. Um, A.J. Brown will be back. Probably no Julio again. I just, I'm just not. I just, Buffalo's defense is, is legit as well. So I, I just don't see how Tennessee can do this even at home. So give me the Bills, minus five and a half. And that will actually wrap up our week six Padres picks. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that shakes out yet again and uh, where our records fall after the week. Um, and just to put it out there, the link for our shared, shared Google Doc where we keep all these picks and track them is in the description for both the uh, YouTube show as well as uh, on the audio version. Feel free to check it out. You can follow along, test yourself against us. I'm sure there are going to be some people who are going to take us up on that, which will lead to some (laughs) fun conversations, (laughs) even if it's offline. But absolutely, again, we encourage you guys to like, like, subscribe, comment. Please interact. It's always fun. Sundance, this is now going to take us into uh, a fun little top five that we have for the week. I like you this You came one. up with this. You came up with this. Uh, and I love it. It's a good one. This week, we are going to be doing top five 90s movies. And for our younger followers out there, this may be a tough one for you. I would simply <laughs> say use this to educate yourself. Go do some research <laughs> on a weekend and learn more about the 90s, one of the best decades there ever was, um, before some of the junk that's that's come out in the last 10 to 15 years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about this one. I feel like... Man, um, this was hard. This was a hard one. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was tough. Um, <laughs> I, I know we had talked about this previously, and uh, I was able to get to about... 35 when I decided I'm going to go ahead and stop now and just try to uh, whittle from here and if I'm missing some uh, so be it 
I, I, I did the same. Uh, I stopped at 32. Interesting. You got to 35. I got to 32. So uh, I'm really curious to see what made the list for you. Um, I, I can tell you. I, I feel very strong about what made the list for me. Uh, this is the time you know that we grew up. Uh, the, this was you know our teenage years, leading through our early twenties, very formative years for the both of us. Um, and so uh, these movies are held near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, I think that's what what it really came down to is when choosing the top five. Some of them were automatic, but some were just what what spoke to us and connected with us the most as we were aging through these in the 90s, and mid to late 90s especially. So it sounds like you are pretty adamant about some on your list. I'm going to go ahead and let you kick it off. Sundance, what do you got at number five? Number five. <clears throat> the soundtrack for this uh, movie, it actually... Um, really propelled me into digging deeper into Eric Clapton quite a bit because prior to seeing this movie, I had never heard this song. Um, and so my number five is Goodfellas, which uh, certainly uh, led out by uh, Eric Clapton's Layla, the original version, not the MTV unplugged version that you know played for about four and a half years consistently on a loop. Uh, on MTV and VH1 back in the day. Uh, all of our kids following the show, 25 and younger, Google VH1. Uh, that was a, a <laughs> channel on the television that played music videos. Uh, video I, I'm not hits sure. One, <laughs> video hits video one. Video hits one. So listen, good, Goodfellas, awesome movie. I mean, talk about, you know, turning up the mob dynasty. There's no Sopranos without Goodfellas, if you ask me. Um, it, it really led into a slew of other really good mob movies throughout the 90s, like Casino, um, John Turturro, you know, did a, yeah, Casino was a big one. John Turturro did a couple of mob movies in the late 90s. Uh, it, it does not get any better. Yoda and, and certainly uh, De Niro was incredible in this, but Pesci stole the show, as we all know. Number five is Goodfellas for me. Goodfellas, Goodfellas. That that did make so I that that did make it, it fell out of my top five. That actually I uh, came in at number eleven for me when I when I mapped these out. Mm. I mapped out the top twenty. Goodfellas came in at number Interesting. eleven. Interesting. But but I again we were going to a a realm of interchangeability. Like so many of these could could have made the top five in and out. Yep. I'm sure by the time we're done with this, my top five could change uh, instantly. So. That leads into my top five. Uh, this one, I don't want to say out of left field. It might surprise you a little bit, but it's a movie I absolutely love. It's, it may not surprise you, actually, but it may surprise you that I made the top five. But it's actually Reservoir Dogs. Um, this was the basically the movie oh, that sure. put Quentin Tarantino kind of on the map as far from a directing standpoint. Um, and I think it was just, just yep. it was at the time, came out in 92, very different. Just uh, the gritty feel of it, um, with you know all the amazing characters, with all the Mister, all the colors, the Mister Pink, Mister White. So you got Steve Buscemi, Michael Madsen, Tim Roth, uh, Harvey Keitel, Chris Penn, just just iconic actors and just and and roles. And it all came together. Just how the longevity of, of the of, of the, the pace of the movie in the warehouse, and it just was very slow, methodical, would hit you with spots. And those movies where you walked away. And again, it was different at the time. So you walked away kind of like, what was that? 
That was a little weird, but I kind of like it. But it was really off the beaten path. And again, because Tarantino wasn't a household name at that point. So, oh, I, I, to this day, if it, every time it's on, I leave it on. Um, taking away the, the ear incident with Michael Madsen's character and the police officer they have captive. Taking that away, the, the movie does, you know, has some... It can be a little gory, etc. But in the end, I thought it was, uh, it was written well, directed well. Reservoir Dogs, number five for me. All right, so that's actually going to take me to number four. I'll lead off on number four here. Um, this one, I'll be honest, I'm actually going to... I'm sticking with the Tarantino flag here. I'm going Pulp Fiction at number four. Um, if you see a theme here, I'm a big Tarantino fan. Wow. Pulp Fiction, wow. 96, I believe, came out. No, I'm sorry, 94, rather. 94. Uh... It struck me even more than Reservoir Dogs. This, I thought, was directed even better. Uh, iconic characters with uh, Marcellus Wallace, the Wolf, Vinny Vega, Jules, some amazing scenes that we still think about to this day with the, the Kahuna Burger. Um, you got the, the chase for the briefcase. Uh, Bruce Willis is in it. And I loved how you know, Tim Roth coming back again. And I loved how it was set up differently than Reservoir Dogs in that and it became kind of a staple with some of Tarantino's movies where it was all out of sync and you kind of had to put the pieces together and you see uh, Vincent Vega, his scene where he gets taken out on the toilet uh, in the middle of the movie and then he's still back in other scenes later on. He's trying to piece it together. What happened when? I thought it was yeah. fantastic. Uh, it's one of, To me, it's an absolute cult classic movie. I think a lot of people would agree there from the 90s. Uh, so yeah, Pulp Fiction number four. Uh, I love that movie. What's your number four, Sundance? That, I, you know, that's a movie that uh, brings you right back to your youth. I mean, at that point, we're 17, 18, and there's just instantly recognizable Honey Bunny. That was Tim Roth's, you know, endearing yes. term for his, uh, you know, shoot 'em up girlfriend, girl, girlfriend, uh, Honey Bunny, uh, and uh, 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 a lady. You know, like these these classic lines um, that you're just like. Uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> I mean, this this was a masterpiece. It was a magnum opus. So uh, my number my number four my number four is not going to stand up to your number four. So I'm going to take this one on the chin. But uh, I'm standing by my list. I'm going to stand you firmly should. by Absolutely. my list. I'm sure, your four number four is Ground, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, Bill Murray. <laughs> This is a moment for this. Yeah, but, we're, we're, <laughs> we're gonna no. You go. You go ahead. I'm bringing up. The right phones here, are going crazy gonna, right now. <laughs> hold on. I think we we actually oh, get Ned, no ground. We're gonna day. get Ned Ryerson on next week as, for a guest spot. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna look this. Up. Go ahead. No, you, you go with your reasoning. I'm. I'm oh, yeah. You can be. You can be his Phil Connor. Um. I come on. This was. You 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 laugh at the same at the same parts of this movie every time you watch it. You know what's coming. I know it sounds ridiculous because it's Groundhog Day and duh. Uh, you wake up and do the same thing all over again. But it had a really cool uh, methodology to the movie of Bill Murray consistently trying to change up his game over the affections of Andy McDowell. Um, and, and it was just a really funny movie. Uh, you know, I, This was a Bill Murray classic, put it that way. It, it, so I'm going to go 100%. heavy on Bill Murray here and rely on, on his comedy. All right, in all fairness, uh, despite the rub there, no, Groundhog Day is a cult classic, 96% Rotten Tomatoes. So 
you know, it, it does have some some moments and scenes that, that, that definitely held up, uh, such as uh, watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Uh, another another Ned <laughs> another Ned quote. Phil Ned punched in the face. No, absolutely no. Groundhog Day. I, I can't I can't argue with it. It's hilarious. I'm good with comedies being in the top five here. 100. percent So all right, Groundhog Day is your number four. Uh, I'm afraid to ask. What's number three? I'm assuming I'm guessing after that it's another Bill Murray. It's Ghostbusters, isn't it? No, that was the 80s. Ghostbusters two. No, number three is a little bit underground, dare I say, out of left field. Uh, but but it has strong performances in it. Really strong performances in it. It is a film titled The Edge, starring Alec Baldwin uh, as, well, as well as Anthony Hopkins. Now, what you need to know is this. <laughs> what you need... Hold on. No, what you I'm, need I'm... to know is that phenomenal movie, if you haven't watched a good... <laughs> good grizzly bear flick in a long time bart the bear gives an incredible performance and all i'm gonna say is uh l mcpherson makes a rather decent uh cameo in film um she's actually pretty good and uh it is classic smarmy arrogant alec baldwin at his best uh, along with, he's paired with Anthony Hopkins, who is just straight up Anthony Hopkins, uh, full on British accent, uh, you know, trying to, to do his best to get them through the woods, in woods from a, a minor plane crash, and they get chased by a group terrify and terrify them, eat them, whatever you want to call it. Okay, um, sixty four on Rotten Tomatoes, so not as <laughs> not as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I, I would I'm o- telling you. I would only guess... Let's go, Netflix. You, Let's go. Well, did you watch the sequel, is my question. Because I'm guessing the sequel did it involve Alec Baldwin <clears throat> uh, moving to Russia and deciding to coach their the USSR Olympic baseball team? Or did that... No, this is a classic. Okay, uh, so on the heels of The Edge, The Edge, uh, I'm going to come in with my number three. Uh, is definitely not of that ilk. Um, this one's probably going to get the same reaction from you, maybe. Although I think you're going to get it, as maybe I had with Groundhog Day. This one is, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you a clue. How about that? I'm going to give you a clue, Dan Sundance, and um, I'm listening. Yeah, baby. Is that does that does that give you a clue? Do you need to hear it again? Yeah, baby. It is. Uh, it is Austin Powers. Oh, man sure, of international sure. man of mystery. Oh. The original. The original. Um. The uh, three I mean, times in the theaters. Yes, we we went to see that multiple times. Uh, I believe as as seniors uh, in high school. Uh, dumb humor. It would wouldn't fly right now if it was released anytime in the last two, three, five years. But the humor from it, the memes, everything have lasted years, years on, have lasted the test of time to this day. Still quote it. Uh, people, when you come with the yeah, baby, you know, you sound ridiculous, but everyone knows it. Um, you know, the sequels went steadily downhill, but the original, Dr. Evil, Scott, the cast of characters, uh, Will Ferrell playing Mustafa, who 
dumped into the fire, didn't die, but very badly burned. You know, all, all those moments I think were fantastic. Uh, I think it's one of the, for me, the best comedies of all time. Austin Powers, number three. Here we go. So that takes us to our, our top two each, right? Um, I'm going to see if I play a, 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 a clue for you on this one. What, if you can hear it, what, what you think it is. And I'm going to go ahead and play that now. The Blue Knight rules! The Red Knight sucks the big one! So, Dance, what do you think my number two is? Uh, uh, could, it, could it possibly, possibly be, be the, cable, the guy? cable guy? Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. It is the cable guy. And these, <laughs> these top two... Cable Gula. Gula. Cable Gula. Uh, this, this was tough for me. This, this, I went back and forth with this number one over and over and over again up until right before the show. In the end, this was number two. I, I think, I, you know, this is a, this was a dark, a dark humor movie. It was not regarded as one of Jim Carrey's best. A very polarizing movie. People either love it or hate it. To me, this is the type of movie that says if you've watched it and you ever go to medieval times, you're always going to root for the Blue Knight. Um, but I think it's one of Jim Carrey's best roles. There are some Jim Carrey movies that were also on my overall top 20. It's the only one that made the top five. But uh, I, I absolutely think it's hysterical start to finish. It's one of those movies, the more you watch it, the more funny it gets. Um, some iconic scenes say in the bathroom at the restaurants. It was a coming out party for Owen Wilson, making his kind of surprise debut to folks on the silver screen. Um, again, I just thought Top to Bottom was a hilarious movie. It's lived with me to this day. Cable Guy, number two. What's your number two, Sundance? Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck Matt, Damon, Matt Damon. Casey, Casey Affleck, Affleck. Mini Driver. Mini Driver. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. I, the list goes on. Great, great movie. And Boston. I mean, it's all Boston. It's all Boston. It's all Boston. So, what are you trying to say? Well, sounds like you're trying to say that. <laughs> Hands down, Goodwill Hunting, number two. Uh, it actually came in uh, my number six. Uh, this was also one that I struggled with yeah. mightily today, uh, trying to make decide between this and the Tarantino flicks. Uh, jostled between four and six. I uh, eventually left Good Will Hunting at six, but couldn't argue with it anywhere on this list. Absolutely fantastic movie. Um, it, was, it, was, it was awesome top to bottom. Coming out party from Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and, and Casey Affleck, like we said, Mini Driver. It was awesome. All right, Sundance, that takes us to our number one movie from the 90s. I'm going to go ahead let you tee it up, tee it off. What do you got? And it's, very old, it's, we may have the same I one. Think, I think, but no, we, we, we do, we, not, we have do not have one. the same one. We don't. I know that. I know that definitively. Comrades of Summer. Comrades of Summer. Uh, it is actually. Uh, it is seven. actually seven. Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Incredible, incredible performance. performance. Absolutely fantastic. Great. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Totally, totally shed the pretty, boy, pretty image. boy image. 
and Morgan Freeman, and Morgan just, Freeman cemented just cemented his place, his place in Hollywood in history. Hollywood history. Uh, he was uh, he was fantastic, fantastic as the as experienced, the experienced older, older detective. detective. Uh, this movie uh, this was, movie was just awesome just on so awesome many on levels. So many levels, but but from but, the way from the way it was shot was probably was the most probably impressive. most impressive. It was dark, it was dark, gloomy, gloomy, uh, rainy, uh, New rainy New York, and, and it totally, it totally it captured, captured the whole mood of the of the film. film. Yeah. So uh, it was set up really well with um, the exterior stuff, as far as the the, the, the staging and everything else, yep. like top yep. to bottom. It was, it was the, the mood setting was done really well. And so seven actually came in. <laughs> And this was not on purpose. Came in at number seven for me. Uh, ah, so ah. It's, yeah, another one I struggled with. I struggled probably with eight to ten on this, and uh, I can't argue with it. Uh, it's, it's a f- fantastic, fantastic flick. So your number one movie of the nineties is seven. Anyone who hasn't seen it, absolutely go out and, and, and take a look. It's uh, it's a fantastic flick. So that leads me into my number one. You probably could guess it. But I will go ahead and being the gentleman that I am, I'm going to give you a clue on this one as well. I don't even I need, need to go, go ahead. Well, I'm going to go ahead for even for the people who might be watching and listening. Here's a clue. You pro- for anyone who isn't is is not as old as we are, you're going to have no idea. But I would implore you to to research it. But here we go. Clue number one movie of the '90s. Major J. Vegas, Vegas, baby, Vegas. Number one movie of the 90s, hands down, 100%, it is Swingers. Um, this movie, for so many reasons... Um, classic. You know, it's classic. And, and there, there are reasons, absolutely, for this not to be in anyone's top 10, 15, 20. And I understand that. This is a personal connection for me, for us as well. This one represented a, a chunk of time in the late 90s, 96, 97, 98 specifically uh for us growing up coming about uh this movie became everything for a period of time that was that was i know it was really special to me um on top of the fact it was just a, a great great movie it was hilarious um it had great parts to it you know it had it had a story behind it that you know you felt from mikey as well it was a coming out party uh for two main characters and vince vaughn who played trent as well as John Favreau, who played Mikey, and have both gone on and have had incredible careers. And two, running parallel, but two separate ways. Obviously, we know Vince Vaughn and, and his uh, his track record and, and, and his library of movies. Uh, John Favreau as well, uh, both acting, but also producing, directing, with now with yeah, the Marvel yeah. films, uh, you know, and everything. Like this, this movie was, Elf, Elf, Elf was, was, was huge, huge for John, John Favreau. Absolutely. John Favreau has become... Um, an icon in the industry right now. So, yeah. Number one for me, Swingers. Um, you know, that one, I wouldn't say was was all that tough. It was just tough between that and Cable Guy, just for different reasons. They both, like, what they represented as far as a period of time as well, and with Austin Powers coming in behind it. Um, yeah, so I think that, that really uh, <laughs> sums up at this point. You are so money, and you don't even know it. Sundance, you are somebody, and I think you, Fantas- you might know fantastic. it. You might know it, but we're going to tell you anyway. You you may not be once we're done with these picks at the end of the NFL season, but that's okay. You may be spending your money to bring 
uh, beer to me every month. But, you know, we'll let that play out. That's fine. So to wrap it up, that uh, that pretty much concludes that segment. And it really kind of concludes uh, the show for tonight. Uh, that was a fun one. Uh, as we uh, wrapped it up, uh, I just want to... Let everyone know, we, you know, we're going to roll into next week, same time, same place. You know, next week's show, we're going to come back strong with some more Sox coverage. Coming out of the, hopefully still in the LCS, but LCS nonetheless, whether it's done or not, we're going to be talking about the Pats coming out of this game against Dallas on Sunday, heading into that game at home against the Jets. Uh, we're also going to have a potentially new fantasy segment. We're going to pull the curtain back a little bit, get out of the fantasy five potentially, and do a little bit something new on the fantasy side. So definitely stay tuned for that and check in. We're going to have another round of NFL picks for you as well. Uh, and as well, we're going to come back with another top five, uh, another good one, and kind of honoring the fact that we're now on Halloween season. We're going to come with our top five horror movies, horror slash thriller. So I think yeah, that's gonna yeah. be uh, that's gonna be fun as well. So, yeah, we uh, appreciate you sticking with us this long. Be sure to check back next week. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at two Padres Pod, the number two Padres Pod. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, please make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, the audio version of these podcasts can be found on most main platforms: your Anchor, Spotify. Apple and Google Podcasts. Please make sure to rate and review if you're listening to us there. Again, Sundance, as we've said, it is all part of our world takeover. We just want everyone to come along for the ride with us. But on that note, I am Major J. That's the Sundance Kid. We are the Dos Padres. Hasta tus sueños. We... (laughs) 